Hello, you are listening to Deeply Curious. My name is Cody Jensen, and joining me is my beautiful wife, Sarah. Hello. In this episode, we're going to be talking about risk. Yes. Just risking it all and what that means. Mm-hmm. Um, before we jump into today's episode, I just want to let you know that this uh, podcast is only here because of the beautiful people over at the Jensen AV Club. That is our Patreon page. And this episode is produced by Christian B. Schmidt, associate produced by Greg and Christy Jensen with a special shout out, a brand new crew member, Connor Dix. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining the Jensen AV Club. Yes. If you uh, want to learn more how you can support this show and get access to exclusive content, uh, head over to JensenAV.club. Yes. So, risking it all. Yes. Well, I think risk is an interesting conversation, Um, maybe even particularly for us, because I actually don't feel like we've ever really risked that much. Mm -hmm. Um, But... People always tell us like, oh, that's a risky move or I can't believe you're doing that. You guys are such risk takers. Mm-hmm. And I, it always catches me off guard because I don't feel that. <laughs> yeah. Like we've been told pretty much our whole lives, mm-hmm. uh, our whole adult life, essentially, mm-hmm. that it's like you guys are s- such big risk takers. I don't just don't know if I can do that. The first of which being when we were 20 years old, we moved from. Enid, Oklahoma, yeah, which had 50,000 people, to Tulsa, Oklahoma, which had 300,000 people. And whoa. It was risky. It was risky. Yeah. And oh. I, I think it's weird um, because I've just, I don't actually view big life decisions as risk, I guess. Hmm. And so, I don't know. I think it's worth talking about like what risk is and, and why it's worth taking it. Yeah. I mean, I didn't really get why people would say like moving to uh, two hours place. away like like is risky and how they could never do it you know and things like that like just that never resonated with me i don't even understand that perspective mm-hmm. um but the idea of risk and kind of my philosophy of risk i guess has a li- always kind of been like what's the worst that can happen exactly i th- i th- I think whenever we're faced with making what maybe some would call a risky decision, I always look at it, choose to look at it from the excitement point of view versus the uh, terrifying point of view. Mm -hmm. I never feel like anything is as terrifying as we think it is. And so, um, like, for example, when we just moved to Portland from New York City, we've never been to Portland before. To visit even and we made this decision and everyone's like you're moving without even ever having been there that's risky or, or i mean a lot of people think it's cool i think but it just like it doesn't even occur to me because i just see the possibility of like what's exciting mm-hmm. and like i think maybe i'm just always looking for a new experience and so <laughs> it doesn't really feel like a risk to me because all I want is a new experience, right? Regardless of what that experience is, and but, but then also it's like, what's the worst that can happen? Exactly, you know, it's like, like it's it, it's so risky moving to a city you've never been to before, and it's like, well, I'm not saying there's no risk involved, but the risk is that we won't like it, and then we'll go somewhere else. Like that's yeah. not really a risk. Yeah, it's just there. There is the chance, right, that we get here and you it know, doesn't work out. We're like, oh well. 
we'll just live here for a year and move somewhere else. Like that, that that's basically the risk is yes. that we will live here for a year and move somewhere else. Yes. So to me, it doesn't seem like a risky move. Same thing when we were like moving to Tulsa mm-hmm. when we were 20 years old, you know, it was like, you guys are you're such risk takers and like, you know, whatever. And it's like, again, okay, well, what's the worst that would happen? We move back to Enid. Right. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I, but I think also, Let's like let's take it from perspective of somebody who, um, you know, is like in a job that isn't necessarily like work from home or like very flexible. Um, and you move to this new city, you're leaving your job and your family and, you know, whatever. Why is it worth it? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I think that because we could sit here and talk all day <laughs> about how I don't feel like anything we've done is risky. Um, but like. I think maybe we should talk about like, okay, I understand how you feel that this might be a risk. Let's talk about why you should do it anyway. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess maybe it comes back to what's the worst that can happen. But I think like the point of risk is to like teach yourself who you are, mm-hmm. you know, and like you, you're terrified. That's maybe it's not even a move. Maybe it's just going to visit somewhere. You know, like you're terrified of international flight. Well, like once you get there, you've learned that you can do it. And like mm-hmm. that's why it's worth it. Yeah. Yeah. Without without risk, there is no change. Exactly. Like I don't think you can truly progress and change in your life in uh, mo- like always really mm-hmm. without some risk. And, you know, uh, there is all types of risk. There's obviously risk of mortal danger, um, <laughs> but then there's all, like risk of embarrassment, risk of mm-hmm. uh, retribution, risk of uh, like just it well, not working. There's like a loss of comfort, mm-hmm. um, which people very much value their security and their comfort. But I think uh, like comfort can become a trap. Like, like we stay in our security and in our comfort so long that like we can't breathe anymore, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that's why you should risk things. That's I, And if you're not a risky person, great. You don't have to go out there and like do actual crazy things, right? But like, you know, just you risk something. Yeah, you should because it's fun. But like just... <laughs> Risk something to the point where you f- you feel that uncomfortableness, you know, like that's you need to get out of that comfort zone. Yeah. And I think that um, like we were saying, staying within that comfort zone is a trap mm-hmm. and you sometimes it, you can't breathe in the trap. And I feel like you sometimes we equate that to um, the risk itself like thinking about getting out thinking about thinking about quitting thinking about starting a new job thinking about going to that school thinking about whatever um it like gives so much anxiety Mm -hmm. that we think it's the risk itself that is so stifling right but it's the comfort Mm -hmm. of where you're at yeah like maybe it's so stifling maybe sometimes it's not anxiety you're feeling but subconscious excitement like your your brain is like, yes, do it, do it, do it. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. But uh, yeah, and I, I just think that all, with that type of stuff, it's just the fact that it's not the risk itself. Yeah. That is so scary. 
it's leaving your comfort zone. That's so scary. Mm-hmm. Which is why you should never create one. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe that's why I like moving around. So I love change. I do. I like change scares a lot of people and I understand why, but like nothing in my life have I ever been scared to just like literally just upend <laughs> and just like flip the table and and do something completely different. It's just it's exciting versus scary, I think. I mean, mm-hmm. there is there is obviously some things about it about life and taking risks that are scary. Like it's terrifying to not know necessarily if um you're going to, you know, be able to pay your bills or or whatever it is. Like there's some stuff that's scary, but I mean, you also just have to know yourself and know that you can take care of what needs to be taken care of mm-hmm. and like make it work. That's, yeah. I mean, it's pretty simple when you say it out loud. It doesn't feel simple, <laughs> but I think it is. And I think that taking those risks are the things that teach you that stuff. Yeah, of like, they really teach you who you are. And like you go and you do this thing and you're like, oh, yeah, I I can do this. Mm-hmm. I'm capable. Mm-hmm. I'm, you know, of, I don't know, surviving. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm capable of going somewhere new or I'm capable of going, doing something new. I'm capable yes. of like you know, walking up to somebody at a party and saying hello. like right. Or like, jumping out of an airplane or. Like whatever it is. Like yeah. it just, it teaches you and gives you confidence afterward of, even if it was a terrible experience, like even if you did something and it was awful, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter mm-hmm. because you had the experience and the experience taught you either one, you don't like doing that thing, mm-hmm. uh, or two, that you can still do it. Like you can fail right. and still survive, or you can accomplish the thing that you were planning on accomplishing, or you can make it outside of like your hometown or whatever, you know, I'd right. keep going on and on and on about different examples, but it's, it just teaches you that you are capable. Yes. And like you said, like the experience, I think- I don't know why like an experience is I'm sort of addicted to experiences. I think Mm -hmm. like I, I do not care if it's a terrible experience. (laughs) I really don't like I, in the moment I might even be incredibly frustrated, but I have the awareness that at least I'm doing this and I'm excited to tell this story later. It Mm -hmm. sucks. It's a terrible story, but I'm going to be able to share it later. At least I have one. Right. You know? Yeah. I think of very similar things. Like it just when we're things are happening in my life, I always think of my life as a future story. And so I, I am right there in that same boat of just like thinking about like if something happens and it's like, you know, it, it went, it did not go according to plan. Yeah. Um, but then it's like, but this is going to make a better story. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's, uh, I mean, I can think of like a bunch of different examples, but um, one that we actually talked about on the podcast uh, a while back was like the um, situation that I had on the plane on the way back from South Africa of like just craziness with people literally having seizures and Russians getting drunk and like causing a belligerent scene. Mm -hmm. Um, It's like, did I want any of that happen? No. Um, Did it, you know, it was like, I would rather have slept in the moment, you know? Right. That night that I was being kept up by, you know, all this yelling, Mm -hmm. uh, I would rather have slept. Mm -hmm. 
But then the next day, I would rather have the story. Exactly. So like in the moment, it's like, man, this sucks. But this is going to be a great story later. Yeah. Yeah. Or like when I use Iceland as an example a lot because we went to Iceland in the very middle of winter. And it was, I mean, so cold. And the wind was blowing so hard. It was just like pelting us with rain. And it was a little bit miserable. But I don't remember any of that now. Like when I think of Iceland, mm-hmm. I don't think of any of that. I think of like the cool stuff. I just I just think it's like all about perspective really mm-hmm. is what risk is. That reminds me of just recently, like last week or something. I was listening to a podcast or an explainer video or something. And um, they were talking about how our brain naturally produces a chemical that helps us forget pain. Hmm. And so um, we like our bodies help us to forget pain um, so that we can continue to do hard things, essentially. That's why women keep having babies. Right. And it's like women go through the most excruciating pain that mm-hmm. a human can endure, I think. And uh, then like a, you know, months later, they're like, I'll do it again. It's yeah. like, do you remember? <laughs> do you remember uh. that you were screaming your head off? <laughs> but it's like you one with children is a different story because right. you know you get the product of a, a child, child and people say that's worth it I'm not sure yet um <laughs> but then uh you know it's like the all of the pain involved is kind of like you know forgot about mm-hmm. and it's the same thing whenever it's like you th- it's just think about a uh like a scar you have and then think about the story about it and then try to remember how bad it hurt yeah and i i can't i yeah. can't i cannot remember you're like, right. Like, like you can know logically that it hurt, right. but you can't feel the hurt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I can think of the time whenever I broke my arm or my collarbone. And like, I remember the situation. I remember being in pain, but like, yeah. I can't really like think about. Yeah. I remember breaking my wrist and having to um, completely like spread my fingers out. It was like actually impossible to do because of where it broke. And I was screaming in pain in the emergency room trying to spread my fingers flat and i I remember like the scene i can see myself looking down at my hand like sobbing but i don't actually remember how it felt Mm. you're right the uh kind of evolutionary reasoning for that they were talking about within mammals um like a predatory animal as in a lion you know tiger situation whenever they go out to get their food and they're hunting Let's say they come across a gazelle and they're hunting it and the gazelle kicks them in the head or the face. Mm -hmm. That hurts really bad. Um, But the chemical essentially is there to help the lion, you know, uh, forget about the pain so that it won't starve to death. So that it won't Mm. be scared to go out and get the next gazelle. That makes sense. So it's a risk to go out and get the food because there's a risk that the food source is going to hurt you but you need it to survive or you have a great experience once you catch it um if you were to take you know the metaphor Mm -hmm. um so in life i think that a lot of times sometimes things hurt sometimes things go wrong sometimes you know you can prepare all you want and it won't matter but i think once we remove ourselves from that situation we forget about the pain Mm -hmm. and we remember the experience and I think uh, I've heard this quote a long time ago, no idea who to attribute it to, but 
You only regret the experiences that you don't have. Yes, 100%. Good, bad, regardless. Like you only regret the experiences that you didn't have. Yeah. It's like you never, um, never is a strong word because I'm sure somebody can think of an experience that they, you know, uh, whatever. Yeah. But, you know, generally speaking, you know, for a, uh, uh, we're not a, talking a, about a, traumatic you know, life events a, a platitude um on, yeah. on the wall you know you only, you only regret the experiences you don't have um just thinking about it in positive terms um <laughs> <laughs> like if you're on your you know deathbed or something it's like you don't say oh man i regret that one time that i moved to costa rica for three months <laughs> <laughs> you're like i regret that i never went and lived in Costa Rica. Rica for three months because I always wondered what that was going to be like, or I wonder yeah. what that you know was going to be. Mm-hmm. And the I guess you would if you are on your deathbed after the three months in Costa Rica, and you're like, I wish I wouldn't have come to Costa Rica for three months because it literally is killing me. <laughs> oh, like if Costa Rica <laughs> yeah. made you sick. Yes. And you're like I <laughs> like Toby in the office <laughs> went to Costa Rica and broke his neck or whatever yeah. on the first day. <laughs> I think. Um, Well, that aside, I think that there's just something really cool about proving to yourself that you can do it, that you can survive whatever it is life throws at you or that you throw at you, Mm -hmm. that you can just like man up and figure it out. Man up is a terrible term. I shouldn't have used that. But you know what I mean? Like, I just think there's something really cool about being able to do that. And I think that... The way that I view risk is I like just holding on to that feeling. Like when I see a decision that could be risky in the, you know, definition Mm -hmm. of what risky might be for you. I never, I I choose to forget about the risk and look about like, look at the idea of like, okay, if I can do this, I can do anything. And like, I, that's kind of why I think I dive headfirst into situations. Mm -hmm. Because it's cool. It's cool to be like, yeah, I lived in New York for two years. Yeah. Don't want to do it again. Although, to be fair, I have already forgotten about the pain of New York. And I was looking through photos earlier today and I was like, oh, remember New York at Christmas time? (laughs) (laughs) Not when it was blizzarding. Yeah. Yeah. And whenever uh, the bills aren't coming due. Yeah. Well, we're not. We don't need to talk about the bills. Yeah. I was more talking about like the harshness of New York. Mm-hmm. That's already faded a little bit for me. Yeah. I'm like, oh, New York and snow is so pretty. <laughs> I'm not remembering how miserable it is. <laughs> but I think, anyways, risk is, it's just always worth it, regardless of the outcome. Mm-hmm. And I think if you can, like we're not supposed to live in fear. I mean, we're really not. Like there, there's a reason that your brain creates that chemical to like take the the bad memories away, right? Is so that like you get out there and do it again because that's what we're supposed to do. And I think like letting yourself be, letting your life be determined by something you fear is so much less fun than letting it be determined by something that's exciting for you. And Honestly, it doesn't have to be a lot of times when you say words like risk and excitement and adventure or whatever, it sounds like it's going to be this like, you know, crazy storybook kind of 
you know, you go to Costa Rica, but mm-hmm. it, it doesn't have to be that. Like it can be really tiny risks or that seem tiny of just like putting yourself out there and like going to meet the neighbor, you know, that's a risk. But like your best friend could be in that scenario. You don't know. I think it's worth trying. Um, That made me think about like, you could also uh, get into a a FOMO situation Mm -hmm. with that type of attitude of like being where you have to go do everything. Um, for sure or like you're scared to say yes to this one thing because my best friend could be at that other thing yeah (laughs) (laughs) i guess that's true but i think more so it's look at the positive Mm -hmm. side of it like fomo is still um letting yourself be make decisions based on like something negative because it's still a fear right fear of missing out right Mm -hmm. so like don't let yourself be guided by that, but by the excitement of a new experience or a new friend or mm-hmm. a new um, thing that you didn't know you could do before, like gardening, <laughs> whatever mm-hmm. it is. Like that's a risk if you don't know how to take care of anything and then you choose to invest your time to teach yourself how to take care of plants. You know, that's a risk. You're making yourself learn something new that you might fail at. Yeah, I like the example of uh, like if people who want to get out of their job mm-hmm. um, and they want to go freelance or they want to go independent or they want to travel or, you know, whatever it is. And that security, again, we're so scared of losing our safety, losing our comfort mm-hmm. than we are about the next thing. Um And I think that, you know, thinking about, okay, you want to quit your job and you want to go freelance. Um, You know, obviously you have to be smart and uh, build, Mm -hmm. you know, work hard, you know, in the beginning where you're kind of doing both at the same time, blah, 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 build it up, build it up, build it up. But then if you're preparing and you're not stupid. Right. And you save, let's say just arbitrarily like a minimum of three months Mm-hmm. Of, of of life expenses you save three months of life expenses um and you have that now think about quitting and you're like okay what is the worst that could happen mm-hmm. and barring um you know life catastrophes but in a normal situation the worst that would happen is you get another job in two and a half months exactly like you quit your job you go full force doing this thing you're going to do. And if at the, you know, if you're approaching that three month period where you're going to run out of that nest egg that you created, you go get another job. Mm -hmm. So the, the, the risk in quitting to do that thing, the literal risk is you get a different job. Right. And, and when I think that is what is, um, kind of the mentality, kind of the mindset that I like to take into my life decisions of like really saying realistically, mm-hmm. what is the worst that's going to happen here? Mm-hmm. Because you can think about the worst that's going to happen in a um, make-believe sense because we're really good at that. Mm-hmm. That's what keeps us so scared because we're like, I'm going to lose everything. I'm going to, you know, I'm going right. to, I'm going to be homeless. I'm going to, you know, whatever it is, lose my family and all this type of stuff. And it's like, but if you actually prepare, and you actually set steps into place and you're not stupid, then 
what is what really is the worst is going to happen and in most of the time the worst is going to happen is not even worse it's just right. different yeah yeah well and like you always hear those stories of people who they start their you know they've become successful in some way and um they are like telling their story right mm -hmm. and they always start off with oh i i maxed out a credit card in order to move to new york city on with 17 dollars in my bank account you know mm -hmm. something like that they're like i wouldn't suggest yeah that's how you should do it but yeah i started my company by uh selling a million dollars worth of products that i hadn't even created yet exactly it's like just because i said yes it's like i wouldn't recommend it but i did it but i i think I mean, you obviously have to say I don't recommend it because it's not good advice. <laughs> but I think there's something to be said about about that. Mm -hmm. I think there's a reason that so many success stories start with, I mean, this is what I did, but I don't know that it was, you know, mm -hmm. because it's risk. It's high risk. High risk, high reward. Mm -hmm. And that's just how it works. And I think there's something to be said about having Look, you don't necessarily have to throw yourself into a scenario like that. If you want to prepare, by all means, please prepare. <laughs> you yeah, know? I mean, but I've never done anything We've never that done crazy. anything like that. But I, I also do think that there comes a moment where you just have to throw yourself in. Mm -hmm. Like you can prepare all you want, but there, there, there's a certain attitude that all of those people have, regardless of how they made it or like what their <laughs> beginning story is, like there's a certain attitude that they had that I think you have to find in yourself. And it's it's just the, like being willing to dive in head first into the deep end, mm -hmm. like not really knowing if you can swim. Yeah, I mean, that's like a uh, tried and true metaphor of mm -hmm. like, you know, throwing the kid in the deep end and see mm -hmm. if they can swim. And it's like, one, that's like, uh, truth and applicable to pretty much everything. Of yeah. Just like we will just sit around idly if we yeah. don't just jump in and well, do it. And, and I mean, I, d I this is part of my thing in certain aspects of life is like I don't feel like I'm qualified for almost anything, right? So I like don't do things because I'm like, well, I'm not really qualified yet. I have to be an expert before I can like, you know, I've never done this. Why would they hire me to do it? You know, that kind of thing. But it's like, just cause like on paper, you've never done it. Doesn't mean you don't have the skills to do it, mm -hmm. you know? And so like, it's really easy to, to get in that mindset of like, um, not doing something cause you don't feel qualified, but the only way to know if you're qualified is to actually do it, right? <laughs> you know? And so it's just like, it's really hard to remember I mean, prime example, literally this podcast. Yes. It's like, I didn't think about it as being a risk, but let's say like you, there's something like a podcast, you know, that, um, you know, you wanted to do, you want to do. Right. And you're scared to do it. And, you know, it, it just comes down to like the worst that can happen is nobody listens. Right. Exactly. I mean, yeah, that may hurt your ego, but I mean, right. it, your ego needs to be hurt anyway. Right. <laughs> so win-win. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And also, I think this is a little different than risk, but there's something to be said about doing something just because you want to do it and who cares mm -hmm. if people listen or not. But yeah, I think 
when you really like strip it down, there's no negative repercussion to risk. I don't think you either you either learn or you succeed. Yeah, but sometimes like jumping out of an airplane, you either succeed or you die. Doesn't matter. So you you died say, taking a I risk. I agree. I agree. I agree with your <laughs> sentiment, but also I can poke a lot of holes in it. Well, we're not trying to make it any definitive, generalized statement is not all truth. Obviously, you can't. I mean, that doesn't apply to literally every life scenario ever. But I think generally speaking, it does. <laughs> yeah. So one thing that I want to talk about, um, with the risk, you know, like within this concept of risk, and it does uh, kind of get outside of risk, but um, I've been wanting to tell this story of us moving to New York. And that is... I mean, what a lot of people would consider as like the riskiest thing that we've ever done. Mm -hmm. um, and I did not feel like it was a risk. Um, right. And specifically um, because of like part of the story that I'm about to tell. Um, but also I think we're just like naturally, I don't know, predisposed to not feel that way. But anyways, yeah. moving to New York City was like I guess the biggest life decision we've made, um, which yes. you could say is, was the riskiest. But um, so whenever we were thinking about moving to New York City, we um, I we had a, a few friends who in um, the Midwest area that we have um, known for a long time who we wanted to start a creative agency with. Um, I've been doing I've, I was a creative director at, at the church that we were at in Tulsa for eight plus years and um had met and i wanted you know wanted to um kind of start building outside of that and mm -hmm. you know creating these other things and move into more advertising and um i had a couple of friends who were like in it as well and we were like we're all creative people and we wanted to create, start something together so we're going to create this creative agency but at the same time sarah and i had been to london and we were dead set on moving to london we both loved london like our yeah. visits there felt like home like yeah. it really we really wanted to move there and um sarah was also uh very enthusiastic about getting there mm -hmm. um and <laughs> it was so we were like well we, we we know that our time in tulsa is you know coming to a close like we feel really great about the time that we have invested into tulsa and the amount of um, growth and the people that we've become, the foundations that we have set upon our like, uh, like emotional and spiritual lives and our financial lives. And so we feel like now is really no better moment than now to finally make the move. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, we're trying to decide New York or London. Right. And well, it was really. I want to go to London. Right. <laughs> but I would settle for New York if these, yeah. you know, if these things lined up. Right. Yeah. And so these, the other two guys that we're uh, talking to and, and starting the process of, of creating this creative agency together, we kind of all decided that New York was going to be the place mm -hmm. um, because all three of us wanted to live in New York at some point. And so it was kind of like, oh, wow, this is amazing. Like we 
it was it felt so natural because all three of us essentially had this kind of idea separately mm-hmm. of like we should start doing our creative stuff together um and we all kind of came together around the same time and started voicing this like what do you think about this and everybody's like i was thinking the same thing mm-hmm. so we're like wow this is serendipitous um and then we started talking about what we wanted to do and then we wanted to start talking about um where we wanted to go and everybody's like i think i want to go to new york and everybody and then the other two were like yeah me too and so like interesting so we're in this process while at the same time sarah and i like we should we really want to go to london Mm -hmm. so we had decided um you know we're working on this like creative thing and we decided that what we want it to be is like this collective of creatives where it's not some like you know, top person who's like, you know, directing the other people to like, hey, design this, hey, do that. We want it to be a a collective of creatives who where we are partners in like crime and, and, you know, we all have our things that we do and we make each other, build each other up and all that type of stuff. And so we kept talking about this creative collective we wanted to do. And then um, it comes to this point where we, Sarah and I are really like, trying to decide we mm-hmm. know we're moving we've already told like um our pastor and uh subsequently boss as well um because mm-hmm. i worked at the church um that you know we're gonna we're making plans to move yeah don't know where yet. don't know where don't know when yeah and so uh our church we we have this um like monthly i believe um prayer gathering and so it's just a, a place to go and just to um pray alone and with others and um to worship and so uh we're at this thing we're deep into like this season of like trying to figure this thing out Mm -hmm. of where we're gonna go and we're the service is essentially over it's wrapping up and um the pastor asks everybody to kind of get in groups of three or four and ask each other you know what they should what, what we should pray about and and do that so Sarah and I get into a group with two other people and it comes to our turn to like say, you know, what we want to pray for. And uh, we say, we want to know if we should go to London or not. Like mm-hmm. we really want to go to London um, and we, it would be awesome like to have like a, uh, oh, like a definitive, like, yes, do yeah. it. Because, you know, life is easier when God tells you to do things. Um, rarely happens, but. Sometimes. Um, so we're like, you know, it'd be awesome if we could get a little, just a little sign. Yeah. Um, and so we're like, we want to know if we like should go to London or not, like just some sort of uh, piece about it, you know, whatever it is, like just direction for London. And so we pray, we part ways. As I'm walking away, um, a guy who is attending the service who I knew, but I've never really like talked to before um came up to me and he said hey uh cody i was like hey and then he's like just i mean a little while ago whenever um the band was playing and we were worshiping i looked over here at i looked over at you and whenever i saw you god told me to come tell you collective and he was like i don't know what that means i tried to look up the word collective because it means I, I I don't even know like what that word means. So I I I hope that means something to you. And I was like, 
like I have tears in my eyes because obviously Mm -hmm. the moment he said collective, um, I, I know what that is. And I'm like, yes, that absolutely means something. Um, it, and then just started talking through that of like, it means New York. Mm -hmm. Um, like the decision between going to London and not doing the creative agency or going to New York and doing the creative agency. Mm -hmm. And so it was like, God literally sent somebody um, with a word to me of, hey, collective, you know, and it was like the moment he said it, I knew heavy, like we were going to New York. Um, And so we stopped making plans for London yeah um and we immediately started making plans for new york Mm -hmm. um and everything started happening so fast we moved within like two months yeah two months of that moment Mm -hmm. um and the sarah when we got home we started talking about um like what we need to do sell the house you know do all this stuff and so she pulls out our wall calendar and um just flips a couple months ahead and just arbitrarily circles um june 27th 27th just circles it and says moving day she said i mean i she was like no idea you know right we just had like a general timeline that we wanted to we want to move that summer you know and needed to put things on the calendar so so. we're making a plan and so to make a plan we need to know like well what do we need to get done in a certain amount of time to make it happen and so Mm -hmm. she just arbitrarily circles june 27th moving day um we still have to sell a house so well not we had to fix up the house. Right. We had because we we needed to like do the things, get the house ready for market, mm-hmm. then list the house, then sell it. And the process of, you know, listing a house to the moment you sell it is however long that takes. You know, it could be one day, it could be months, depending on if the right buyer comes along. Then once somebody says, here's my offer and you accept the offer, generally speaking, that's a 30 day process mm-hmm. from that moment. Yeah. So, Plus we had to sell all of our stuff and right. everything like that. So like just putting that two months out is crunch time. Mm-hmm. Well, she marks that date down. We uh, get the house fixed up, um, ready for market, take pictures of it, list it. Um, we have a buyer within a week. Three days. Three days um, a buyer comes along. Then uh, the buyer says, um, hey, uh, you know, because we accepted the offer or whatever, um, or I don't remember exactly the order, but essentially like we're accepting the offer and the buyer says, Hey, I'm going to do a, I'm going to do cash deal on this. Um, so we don't have to, um, do the normal closing. Um, and it's so we can do it a little bit faster. Is it okay if we set the closing date for June 27th? Mm-hmm. And we just, Sarah and I just looked at each other like, what? <laughs> we literally drove out of town on June 27th. We like packed up the trailer went to the closing night um, agency mm-hmm. signed the paper and drove out of town on the day yeah everything just like fell into place and you know as i'm telling the story obviously there you can chalk this all up to serendipity yeah. um, my worldview as a christian i attribute the serendipitous moments as you know just god's hand being you know, on it is just like it just mm-hmm. everything happening, you know, for, you know, a specific reason. Mm-hmm. So that is my take on it. Um, but but regardless. Also, regardless, it's just a fun serendipitous story. Um, and so, I mean, I felt like God was, you know, directing and like the 27th, like we're out the 
day just like random day that was picked um so we drive um to new york city and we're there in two day three days whatever it was um and it was our we drive into brooklyn because we had been doing a bunch of research before and we're like okay for the amount of money we want to spend on rent um which is already more than what we want to spend on rent but it's new york city so you have to Mm -hmm. um the only way we can stay within that, you know, frame uh, is to be in Brooklyn. And so, you know, we love Manhattan. Um, that's where we like, we fell in love with New York City. But we're like, if we're going to do this thing, if we're going to do it in budget, we're going to be in Brooklyn. Yeah. So we told everybody we're moving to Brooklyn. And in all those original videos, even, mm-hmm. you can go back and you can see like we're saying we're moving to Brooklyn. Um, so we drive into Brooklyn um, and we get a hotel and we are in brooklyn for like three or four days straight like we are just like going around looking at uh the fort green area going you know different areas just like looking for apartments just exploring just like seeing scoping everything out um looking on street easy you know doing all the stuff yeah um and then uh, uh after a few days in brooklyn um i don't know we both felt pretty heavy i would say well i was it was getting a little like anxious Mm -hmm. first probably because i did we didn't know the rent process the rental process there is extreme and so it was it just felt like okay we don't have a place to live we need a place to live like that i mean we need a place to live Mm -hmm. and it didn't happen immediately because the the rental uh, market there is just so crazy yeah and so I think we were both feeling a little anxious about, okay, how do we get an apartment? <laughs> mm-hmm. And we both, and we, like I said, we both were feeling this heaviness and we were like, okay, we, we believe that God spoke to us directly um, and told us to go to New York. So we felt confident in that. Everything happened so like in the way it should to mm-hmm. get here. Like it just felt so right we felt no anxiety it's very easy. so eased like to get there um and so it was like why are we feeling this heaviness did we miss it like we were doubting like our you know basically doubting if we heard from god like if if this was the wrong decision like we were just did we miss it is kind of the way we felt and then um as those days were progressing um sunday morning rolls around and we were like um, well, we should like go to a church and check one out. And so I had a couple churches on my list to check out, uh, that I had heard about. And one of them was in Brooklyn and the other one was in Manhattan. And since we were in, uh, the Brooklyn in our hotel, we're like, well, let's just go to the one here in Brooklyn. And we start to go there. And, um, I realize like partly way there that I forgot something back at the hotel that we needed. And so we went back to the hotel and took care of the stuff. And then by the time everything was done, we had missed the service um, for in Brooklyn. And we're like, okay, well, we still have time uh, to make it to the one, to the other church that's in Manhattan. So we get on the subway and we go over to Manhattan and we pop out of the subway stairway and both of us just took like this huge breath of air Mm -hmm. and we were like oh like this this is why we love new york like we just both felt all of that weight 
that we had been feeling for the last three or four days just leave. And we like looked at each other. We went to Starbucks because we were still a little early and we like started talking about like that feeling that we just felt of um, all of that pressure being released as soon as we stepped in Manhattan. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's like we felt like that was the leading of the Holy Spirit um, or, you know, God like directing us like this, this is the the place that I have for you. And so we um, walked to the the church that I had um had picked out and we walk in and we're immediately you know greeted by uh some guy and he like starts talking to us and then asking us like oh you just moved here that's really cool um are you looking for an apartment we're like yeah and he's like um the she's he like i know stephanie who uh goes goes here um is a realtor i'm you want to i should get you guys connected we're like yeah that'd be awesome so like he immediately leads us over to stephanie and so we start talking, um, like second person we talked to in New York. Um, mm-hmm. and she's like, we're talking to her about like getting an apartment and like our budget and like what we're looking for and all that type of stuff. And we're like, we were thinking we were going to be in Brooklyn, but then like just now, like we feel like maybe we should be in Manhattan, but we don't think we can be in Manhattan for this budget. And she's like, oh yeah, we can definitely find you, um, something like that, but you'll be, I mean, you'll be like Upper East Side, um, for that price. Um, we're like. Well, we don't want to be in Upper East Side, but we do feel like we're supposed to be in Manhattan. So let's go for it. And so uh, service starts and we're going, you know, enjoying the service or whatever. And the we find out. Um, so this is just more some serendipity here. Um, the church is called C3, uh, the church that we uh, had st- helped start and were a part of in Tulsa for almost a decade it's called city church um well immediately upon walking into c3 it felt like home like it felt like city church Church, yeah and um they start uh talking and then we find out that c3 stands for um community city church Mm -hmm. it's literally called almost the same name Mm -hmm. they start talking and they start talking about their dinner parties that they have every week and uh, at City Church in Tulsa, we had this thing we called family meal every mm-hmm. week. That, and as they were describing it, it was the exact same, like almost exact same model of, mm-hmm. of the way that we, they did their small groups. And so we were like, oh, that's like cool and interesting that this is happening. And then in Tulsa, we had started this thing called Love Tulsa, where we cancel service uh, a couple times a year. And we just, uh, everybody who was going to come to service, we go out and serve the community in different capacities. Well, the week we show up, they announce that uh, their annual Love New York is coming up mm-hmm. where they go out and serve the community. And we're just like staring at each other, like all just mouths open, like, what is happening? Mm-hmm. This is insane. Yeah. Um, so all of that serendipity of just like the the fear that we had, be, you know, in Tulsa, like coming to New York City is that we weren't going to be able to find a community like we had in, at City Church, just like weren't going to be able to find a church that we loved in the way that City Church was. And then immediately walk into a church that like is so similar and felt so amazing, like home. Who had a realtor who was going to help us. Yeah, who <laughs> also the second person we met is, is a you know realtor who's going to help us. So anyways long story continued um we uh 
we meet with Stephanie. She's taking us around. We're, she's like, let's look at some East Village stuff. And we so we start doing that, which just side note, like nothing to do with the story really. But she takes us into the East Village, looks at apartments that were in our budget of around $2,000. And they were atrocious. <laughs> like the, yeah. my, I was just aghast. <laughs> like just the living conditions of which you would live for two thousand dollars a month in East Village blew my mind, and she was. I was like, I like this, like what? <laughs> and she's like, so I have a few more in East Village, but they're going to be like this. And we're like, no, we can move on. Let's go. Yeah, um, a pre side of this. <laughs> uh, we thought we were going to be cool East Village kids. Nope. Um, yeah. So she takes. I had us to have a refrigerator. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like some of them literally had a mini fridge. Mm-hmm. Oh. Uh, Anyways, yeah, she takes so us weird. to the Upper East Side. Um, we find an apartment that is, it's a really good size studio. It's under, a little under budget. Um, it's like, we're like, oh, okay, cool. Like, th this is it. Like, this feels really good. This is like, you know, not the area that we thought, but also it's not bad. And it's a nice apartment. Really nice apartment. We, we feel really good about this. So we go to apply for it. And we submit our application. They're like, oh, sorry. Somebody just submitted an application um, like a few hours ago. Yeah. Like, Lost it. Oh, gosh. And so like we kind of felt down. We we're like, we really felt like that was supposed to be the one. Like felt really good about it. And then uh, we were a bit bummed because, uh, you know, you just fall in love with the space um, and then you can't have it. Um, <laughs> so then we go to another Upper East place that's even bigger than mm -hmm. that one. Um, and I would say maybe even a little bit nicer for the same price. And we're like, ah, it was God saying, hold up, wait a minute. I got something better for you. Um, so we put our application in for that. And because we were moving to New York city with no jobs, we had no, yeah. we had no proof of future income. We only had proof of savings, Yeah. which landlords do not care about in New York city. I find out they, yeah, they only care about future. They income. do not care how much money you have, only how much money you can prove you're going to have in the future. Yeah. Um, so she was like, because you don't have jobs, it's going to be very difficult to get you in somewhere. Um, but this place is one of the most lenient landlords I've ever dealt with. So if you don't get in here, we're gonna have to look into subleasing or something else. Cause I don't think you can get your own lease if this person doesn't accept you do the application. And we're like, we have all everything in order. Yeah. Um, we even had a guarantor for this one because they like specific, like they required it with all the, all of these things. And we, we had that, we had all of it done, but they like nitpicked like specifically where this income was coming from, whether it was like mm -hmm. on, on the tax return, whether it was business income or personal income. And most of it was business income. And they said, we can't count business income. Yeah. And it only has to be on personal. They and didn't so like it. Um, we go through the whole process with this and we had, again, like kind of fell in love with this apartment. Um, um, maybe not that strong, but we really liked the apartment and we felt good about it. Um, and we felt like we had also kind of told ourselves, you know, that, that we didn't get the other apartment because God was holding us out for the bigger one. Mm -hmm. Um, and then like we, now we're not getting this one. So, you know, it's kind of like those doubts, you know, because sometimes God is in things. Sometimes it's just like, it's just things that happen. Like it just, it just yeah. is what it is. Um, and, but we, I have a hard, I always have a hard time figuring out if I, if it's me misattributing things like to, you know, God that are not or missing God when he 
when it is like mm-hmm. i think that's probably my biggest like doubts of like whether or not the things that i think are of me or of god <laughs> yeah um and anyways we don't get the apartment yeah and we were like they denied us they denied us and she had told us if we don't get this apartment because this is a lenient landlord then there's almost no chance there's no chance of getting an apartment so we were like pretty bummed we're yeah like, wait did we miss it again like yeah. i don't i, I just uh, what what is happening yeah and, and then, by by this time we were two weeks almost two weeks in mm-hmm. to living in a hotel yeah expensive new york yeah. hotels like we were we were doing new york like hotels and airbnbs just doing whatever was cheapest yeah like the cheapest that we could possibly find and still two weeks and is very expensive yeah um so we get denied we're back at the hotel and the next morning i open up the street easy app and it was like new listing um and it was like lower east side on bowery and the pictures looked really nice Mm -hmm. it was like the layout that we want um without any weird walls or you know nooks and hard to come by in like the bathroom looked nice Mm -hmm. then the kitchen looked nice which also very hard to come by you know and it was like a little bit over budget that we wanted but not crazy and after everything we had already seen and after all that we had gone through i was like okay i'm willing to pay like an extra hundred bucks it's fine yeah um so we it's a tiny bit under budget or over budget and we had had an experience we had had a few experiences with apartments that were in nice areas and looked as nice as this one did in the photos and were in budget where you know the realtor would call and it was a fake listing where they were just trying to get calls you know so they so they could show you other stuff well i sent it to her i was like hey is this is this real it like, looks fake. You're like, it looks too good to be true. And she's like, I don't know. So she called and then like 30 minutes later calls back and says, it's real and we can go see it today at noon. And I was like, uh, we'll be there. Yeah. So we walk in and it is uh, exactly what we want um, as far as like, it, it's great remodeled bathroom. Yeah. The kitchen. bathroom isn't 50 years old. Yeah. Kitchen has an, a fridge. It's, uh, it's in Lower East Side on Bowery yeah. for the budget um and like great location the moment we walked in and saw that it wasn't a dump yeah we were like yes sign like start signing papers right now mm-hmm. um so we submit our application and they accept it we go to the leasing and the again we don't have jobs like it we're applying for this stuff with hopes that they will let like, it slide. Let it slide that we actually don't have any proof of future income. Yeah. And uh, she's like, I mean, we'll see if we get, you know, yeah. you know uh, accepted or whatever. We'll submit the application. Submit the application. They, you know, they accept it or like soft accepted or whatever yeah. it is until we actually go meet in, at the leasing agency and whatever. It was we accept, but we have the right to deny you at the right. signing. if we. So don't. we go to the signing. We're talking to them and we find out the reason that they accepted us is because of two reasons. One, the uh, listing agent that is their exclusive re- listing agent on this uh, building. Uh, building was leaving to go to his home country um, like the next day. Mm-hmm. And he and he was going away for like three months or something. And he had to make the deal happen that day mm-hmm. um, before he left. And the owner of the building was talking to us and like, yeah, I mean, as I was looking through the application and stuff, like I saw that you were from Oklahoma 
And so I wanted to have you guys come in because I was really curious of why somebody would um, move from really conservative Oklahoma to mm -hmm. liberal New York. Um, and he was, and then he kept talking and talking and talking. He, basically, he didn't really want to know why because he just he, wanted to tell us his fun facts about yeah, Oklahoma. Yeah, he just wanted to tell us that he knew things about Oklahoma because he didn't actually let us talk. Like it, yeah. we were like, well, it's because, and then he started talking again. Um, and then he told us like some facts about Oklahoma that he knew. Yeah, and then he was like, all right, paper sign. You, you know, get the keys on Friday. Yeah, that and, was like, it. That was it. And like so, the this the timing of it and like the owner scene that we were from Oklahoma. Made the, him curious. Made him curious. And then the listing agent had to do it that day. And so they were just like, did it. Uh, and then um, we go, we get the apartment. We move in like two days later. Um, it was really fast. But the apartment that we got um, was right on the same block as C3, the church that we had met Stephanie at mm -hmm. that we um, on the third or fourth day in yeah. New York City, it was like on the same block. Yeah, and so it was like another, just one of the another one of those serendipitous things of just like, like, just re just really lifted our spirits of like confirming of yeah. like we go through this whole process, we love this church, and then we go through this whole ordeal of mm -hmm. getting this apartment and feeling not sure what is right, what is you know not in all that type of stuff. And then we get led into basically this blessing of an apartment that is on the same block as, as this church. church that we want to build community at. And um, so anyways, we, the apartment is the, the apartment, the one that's the in, one that you've all the, seen. The one that you've all seen is <laughs> that's the apartment. And just to be like, it felt like such a blessing to have this apartment at the price that we had. And as we started like meeting people, we would tell them like, you know, you know, where do you live? And we're like, Oh, Bowery and Rivington. And they're like, Whoa, baller. Mm -hmm. And then they would this like, literally that's what people was like. I'm, I'm multiple people made comments of like, dang, you baller. Live there? Like you live, like what job do you have? Mm -hmm. Because it's so expensive. And we find out like after living there for a long time, we find out that the apartment next to us, um, in the department building next to us. Yeah. Um, they rent out for $4,000 a month. Mm -hmm. The building next to that one, uh, which these are, these are bigger apartments. They're not like tiny little studios, but yeah. they're still like, you know, one bedrooms or, or indicative you know, of the area. Yeah. The, and then the, the building, the building next to that one, um, rents apartments for $20,000 a month. Yeah. And that's just the, that's the first, six or eight well, i don't remember the first four or five floors or whatever it is yeah are twenty thousand dollars a month and then there's a penthouse suite at That's the top of that one that i have that. no idea how much that one is yeah and then we find out uh after we left new york that they rented the apartment we were in mm -hmm. for uh over twenty six hundred dollars yeah so we had a good deal so anyways just the amazing deal of an apartment in the amazing location is what was the catalyst for you listening to my voice right now? Yeah. Because we were able to outfit the apartment in the way that we did. We made the apartment tour video, the apartment tour video, um, you know, did as well as it did. 
and brought eyeballs to the content that we were creating, which created um, an audience to watch our films, which, you know, obviously we started out being more like YouTubers and just like taking that on. And that became our job. That's what we did for the full two years that we were in New York City. That's what got us connected. Like getting that apartment is what got us into the YouTube career. It's what got us connected with the people that we got connected with in New York that became friends. It's what it was the catalyst for me, like pursuing more of a filmmaking career mm-hmm. instead of a design career. Um, like ev- all, everything has happened and all that we are doing right now as you're listening to me is because of following that like word from God that I received of collective to go to New York City, then the leading of from getting the, you know, all up into getting that apartment to create the video that we did is what led us to be doing everything that we have right now. Yeah. And so just about risk. Yeah, like none of that would happen if you, if we hadn't like decided to risk leaving Tulsa. I mean, we'd still probably have a really great life in Tulsa, honestly. I mean, we'd be chilling with our friends, mm-hmm. doing work that you enjoy for a uh, church that we are very passionate about. But, like, there's just so much more or so much difference mm-hmm. <laughs> that can happen. Like, it's not necessarily better or worse. It's just different. And, like, you never really know what's out there. Right. Till you go find it. And like, just side thing of just like, just video in general, like video is what I got my start in as a creative whenever I was very young. And yeah, I like loved, 12. loved video. And I did video for many, many, many years. But I kind of got out of doing exclusively video because I needed to be a photographer and I needed to be a designer and I needed to be all these other things that I also enjoyed, but I needed to be them for the career that I had. And I also didn't I also felt like I needed more people involved with video to be able to do that all the time because I need people to help me mm-hmm. um because I didn't the the concept of like vlogging like type stuff first person filmmaking just wasn't a thing and so I went on this other trajectory and then whenever I'm like basically handed this new career path and I start making videos and I fall back in love or not even fall back in love just realize like that I forgot Mm -hmm. that I like how much it energizes me and how much I love making video and pursuing like I have no idea like we're only two years in Mm -hmm. a little over two years from that moment and yes I am making videos on YouTube yes I am making podcasts and I do love everything that we're doing but we still have no idea what the outcome is going to be like of where this is going to lead ultimately in my life. Right. Um, and then as a side, aside to, you know, this story is going back to the beginning of starting this creative agency and like receiving this, what they, what the Protestant church world calls a prophetic word. I mean, just somebody received a word from God and delivered it to the person intended. And, you know, I received a direct word from God of collective, which 
is so specific to creating this creative agency. And we moved to New York and the two guys that I'm going to start this with both had um, romantic partnerships that developed within this time, which took their lives into different directions. Um, and so each of them, uh, you know, didn't make it to New York. And so now it's just me in New York with this word of collective. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like the whole time just thinking like, what did it mean? Like, why? Like, did, it's just questioning like of what am I supposed to do with this? Like it got me to New York. Is that the entire reason that it was specifically collective? Mm -hmm. Um, and then just thinking like, I really felt specifically called to New York that we were supposed to go there. And as we were there over the two years, I knew we were supposed to be there for some reason, but nothing big ever happened. Like nothing as far as, as far as like a grand thing, like where I could tell this story and say, God told me collective, we moved to New York city. I tell the whole story that I just told and then this happened mm -hmm. and everybody like, whoa, like, I can't believe that happened. And I, I kept waiting for that of mm -hmm. like, this is going to happen. This thing, I know that God called us here. He called us here for a reason. Like, what is that reason? And as we were, you know, wrapping up our two years, I kept, I was asking this question again because I knew we were leaving. And so I'm like, well, what was the reason? Like, why were we called here? because I don't know what it is because I kept thinking it needed to be something with an amazing grand story where somebody's life was changed, you know, in some way or, you know, whatever it was. And then I basically had to learn and talking to wise counsel and things like that. It's just that the grand thing was the fact that we went mm -hmm. and the fact that we learned so much about ourselves. Mm -hmm. We learned so much about the world and other people and about empathy and about each other and, you know, grew in all of these areas that were, would have not been possible in other places. Mm -hmm. And then uh, I'll let you tell what Stephanie like ended up telling you, which uh, I think is a really good. Yeah. I mean, I was just talking to her about, all this stuff like we, you know we came here for two years it was great it was fun but we don't really know why blah 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 and she just said something along the lines of uh whenever a, a parent takes their child to the playground they don't expect anything of their child except to play that's that's all the playground is for and she said sometimes god just gives you things to play and like there doesn't have to be an agenda or an, a reason other than like he just wants you to have fun. And I think um, it's really important to remember that not everything in life has to have a specific outcome or an agenda or, you know, you, you need to accomplish, check these things off the box, off the list and, mm -hmm. and call it good. Like sometimes life is just, it's just there to enjoy. Yeah. And so, you know, we, I loved that perspective. And as I kept kind of thinking and praying on like this reasoning, I, I realized that my desire for 
you know, this grand story has to do with my pride and has to do with that. I want to have this thing where God told me to go to New York and this thing happened and I wasn't given that. And I think that my desire for that story was more for my pride of having the story instead of seeing what actually did happen, mm-hmm. which, you know, was all of the the little stuff right? Um, that, that added up to one big thing, you know, in our life as far as like um, values and, mm-hmm. you know, knowing thyself essentially. And then just thinking about how I will never know. I may never know what the big thing or the real like tangible like example thing would be of like why I feel like God told us to move to New York because it may be I had to go to plant a seed. I had to go and be something for someone that eventually will, you know, change those people, that person's life. Mm -hmm. But I won't be there for the result. Well, and it, yes. And it also can be as simple as you got back to what you originally started in. Right. Which is video. I mean, there's so many things that like yeah. might make a huge impact. Might not. We don't know. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. But that's not really the point. The point, like I said, is not necessarily um, something like on a to-do list that mm-hmm. you check off. It's just risk for the sake of risk. Right. Which I'm okay with. Like. Yeah. It's just, I think that's the, that is the thing though, that I think I struggle with the most is if like, like what was the reason? Like I want to know, you know, Mm -hmm. and I, I already do know, but I still kind of feel like it's not big enough. Mm. You know, sometimes I still feel like I, I want to know, I want the big thing. I want the the grand romantic gesture, you know, of, of the moment of, mm-hmm. of what it is. And it was so incremental that it was a huge thing. It was inside, you know, of mm-hmm. me, it was inside of you. It was, it was us. And the, and I, I am grateful as well for the personal change, I think it was 100% worth it. Like the personal change that we went through, the life values that we were able to come out of New York with and figuring out who we are, what we believe, what we know to be the the pillars of what we want to build our life on, worth it. Mm-hmm. Like that, that's more than a good enough reason. But I still like basically feel my pride though, like saying like that, you know, want something big mm-hmm. or more showy, not big. I think because what we have is big. I mean, with this yeah. career, like the I'm grateful for the career that is created for us as well. Mm-hmm. But it's like I want I want something showy, mm. like to to have of like I obeyed. And God delivered. And it's not that he didn't, but it's it's not the show that I want. And I think that's the thing that I struggle with the most as far as like 
it's not the struggle of not having it. It's the struggle of wanting it, of like telling myself like that's like to kill the pride. Yeah. Hmm. But I think I still, I think I still have like some pride issue in that of like wanting to have the big thing. Hmm. I don't feel that at all. (laughs) (laughs) But I am like, I would say I am, I have come to grips with what we have and what we did um, within the, like within the last like two months of leaving New York, mm-hmm. 100% of like realize like when we actually started truly taking account of everything that had happened, all that we had accomplished and had learned, mm-hmm. I was like, okay, this is like- Did a lot. We did a, we did a lot. That experience, we're gonna leave this place with so much more than what we came with um, yeah. on the inside, not in the bank account. Right. Um, Never in the bank account yeah. but with New York. But with the inside, and I was like, I'm, you know, I'm fully like find the beauty in that. Right. Well, that again, that is the point of risk. Yeah. It is not about what you accomplish necessarily or like the tangible Mm -hmm. things but it's about everything else right yeah yeah and so risk the we risked moving i guess whenever we went to tulsa and when we did that we got our the relationships of our life Mm -hmm. we built a foundation of emotional and spiritual health that we will stand on for the rest of our life um moving to new york was a risk but we gained so much internal confidence and motivation and solidifying of goals and values and also just there is something about the bragging rights of saying like yeah i I survived new york (laughs) you know what i mean like there's something about being able to truly survive New York City mm-hmm. that I feel like is worth yeah. <laughs> that's worth moving there for itself. I don't know, it gives you a little bit more like confidence I guess in in what you can do cuz the song is true like if you can make it there you can make it anywhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's really what it feels like. Oh yeah, another thing is that the move to New York got it out of Sarah's system. Oh, for sure. We yeah. couldn't have lived as functional human beings if we would have moved to Portland first. No, I still would be so unhappy. Because we would have moved here and let's, you know, it's two years now, we mm-hmm. would be moving to New York. Because yeah. if Sarah, the whole time we were here, no matter how much we loved it, would be like, yeah, what about it, New York? Yeah. It's not New York. Yeah. So we would move. Like, I would have said that about Brooklyn too, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> so it needed to happen in order for us to functionally move on as humans. Yeah. And it did, and it taught us so much. Now we took a big risk and moved to Portland, Oregon with n- no prospects of what we're going to do here uh, and no we, without visiting. We still really even haven't even seen the city. We've seen the like nine blocks that around us, mm-hmm. um, and that's about it. Uh, and we don't know what the lesson is going to be that we'll learn from this risk yet, but we know it'll be there because we've been through it before. Yeah, I just think that you just you shouldn't, turn down something because you're scared risk is always 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 worth it regardless of the outcome unless it's murdering someone well yeah again 
within context. So thank you guys for listening to this episode of Deeply Curious. Go out there and take some risks. Jump out of an airplane with Quit the... that job. Ask that boy or girl out. Mm-hmm. Break up with that boy or girl. Do what you want. Yeah. <laughs> do the hard things because the hard things lead to great things. They really do. And if not great, then just an experience or a story you can tell on a podcast There's later. no such thing as failure. Only learning. Right. And succeeding. Yeah. Failure is whenever you keep doing something that's not working. Yeah. Quitting something that's not working is just learning. You just learned a lesson and moved on. Exactly. So if you are continuing to do something that is not working, then you are failing. Right. And we're going to end it there. Thank you guys for listening to Deeply Curious again. Um, if you want to help support this show, this show is only possible by our uh, members of the Jensen AV Club. That is our Patreon page. You can go over there and get exclusive content and deeper access to us by going to jensenav.club. Yes. Thank you guys. All of our uh, members that have uh, joined in the last few weeks and that have supported us uh, through this uh, transition period. Mm -hmm. Um, We have more stuff coming for you guys and we will see you next week. Bye.